Welcome to Perspective. I'm joined here by my actual father, Gene Bailey. Actually. Actually, yes, in the flesh. Yeah. Uh, today's guest is Gene Bailey. He is the host of Flashpoint. And this episode is really meant to kind of cover lessons learned in ministry and providing perspective on kind of the the whole process of how ministry works. And if you're young and you feel called into ministry, uh, maybe you might learn something new or get some good advice. Um, so thank you. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Dad, for joining me on this on this episode. Yeah, Happy to have you, of course. Um, so for those that have heard of Flashpoint or the Victory Channel, uh, they'll know Gene as the host of Flashpoint. It's been for over a year now that we've endured a deadly pandemic. About mm -hmm. You opened your church up about a year ago, a little bit earlier. Tell that mm -hmm. story again about what happened. Um, if you don't know about that, Victory Channel is a free uh, television network where you can see all sorts of Christian programming and news in the spirit of faith. And Gene's program, Flashpoint, which is really where the prophetic and politics collide. It's a really encouraging, new, fresh take on uh, really current events and what we're all kind of going through and experiencing and trying to make sense of the world currently. So uh, where I'd kind of like to start is really like your experience in ministry. You've been in ministry for, for probably decades at this point. Yeah, this is 43. 43 years. Wow. So what kind and I'm of... I'm only 40, so that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's really impressive. <laughs> I know. Dad humor, right? Yeah. There won't be any more dad jokes on this episode. No, I'm just kidding. It'll be it'll be full of them. Um, so let's start there. That's a long time in ministry. More than more than probably some young people have even held a oh, job sure. just for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, what kind of advice would you have to really people or younger people maybe getting out of Bible college or maybe they feel they feel the call of God on their life. They mm -hmm. they know they maybe they feel like they're called to a nation or they got a prophetic word or they know they just really want to work in ministry. What kind of advice would you give to those people that maybe don't know anything about the industry or what it's even like? They just they feel like it's something on their heart. Well, I think the first thing is to remember um don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, it's a mistake I made, Reed. I think that, um, you know, you, you get passionate about something and you want to go do it right now. And you have no experience. You've got no money. <laughs> and you don't know anybody. <laughs> but you know you're supposed to go to Africa. Um, yeah. And you don't have... It's You've got... God's never on our timetable. And I really don't like that part. Most of the time... It's a lot longer than what you think. And then suddenly you'll find yourself in the middle of something. And you're like, how did I get here? Um, you know, you can, it, nothing wrong with a dream and a vision. We all have to have that. God plants in us this thing that we want to do. But a lot of times it's not what we think it is. It's not really what's going to be satisfying. For instance, flashpoints, politics, and prophecy. Two things I could really care less about when I was in my 20s. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and if you'd have told me like, "Hey, you're going to do this one," and I'm like, "I want to do that," you know, I want to be an actor. I want to be an, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to do movies. I wanted to act. I wanted to, then I wanted to do TV yeah. and I wanted to produce stuff, which I did. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But this, when you when you have a vision or you have a calling, you know, the, the almost the first thing you have to do is put it back on the altar. 
Mm. Because if you're not, it becomes your idol, becomes something you worship. Because I'm, you know, you're, let's say you know you're supposed to be a, an evangelist or a preacher or something, and um, you know God's called you to do that. Nothing. I'm not saying give up on your dream, but I'm saying you got to lay that on the altar. And by laying that on the altar, what I'm saying is you got to say, okay, God, I don't know how that's going to happen. You got one of two choices. One is I can make it happen, or I can let you do it. Now that sounds, everybody's going to say, well, of course, let God do it. Well, yeah, that's right. But again, God's timetable isn't what our timetable is. And it usually happens the way we don't think it's going to happen. It never makes sense. It never makes log. It never makes logical sense the way God works something out. It just doesn't. But why? I don't know. Well, I well I do know some reason. Some sometimes I think it's so that we can look back and go, "Oh, that that was God," because I didn't know. I had no idea. Right, you there's know, no way that could. There's have no way that could have for, had to be a God appointment or divine. Yeah. Intervention. Well, let's take Flashpoint since you brought mm-hmm. that up. I mean, that was. An, I had these couple of friends. Um, Lance Wallnow and Hank Kuhneman that are two different, they're really not, but they kind of come from two different sides of the track in ministry. One operates heavily in the prophetic and one operates heavily in, he does operate in the prophetic, but he's not known for that. He's known for operating in politics and what's going on and Mm -hmm. he's brilliant mind, Lance Wallnow. So I'm like, these two are my friends. I'd love to get them together. So I was saying, I was given the task, hey, do this program. We need to add something. So I came up with a name, and I told the producer that was working for me, because I'm in charge, I could do that. <laughs> I said, hey, this is the name. Let's let's do it tomorrow night. So that was on a Wednesday, and so <laughs> we had a <clears throat> an editor whip together an open, and then we went on the air. So really it wasn't a lot of pre-thought-out planning. No, it, or, and it's not what I would have thought. We want to go after COVID and what we're seeing no, in the White House. No, we it were was... just going to cover what's happening and... See, we were going to talk about the election because this is mid-October of 2020 and uh, see what's happening and let people have a chance and hear it from a different perspective. Hear the prophetic side, but also hear the practical side, the political side. Mm-hmm. Well, it almost immediately exploded into a great following and we were like, wait a minute, you know, because we can track the the numbers of people watching and, you know, you kind of mm-hmm. just watching it on Facebook, you know, going, Wow. These people are all watching. Well, no one was as shocked or surprised, as surprised as I was. And mm-hmm. um, and they just, you know, as they say, the rest is history. But um, I'm just along for the ride, Reed. I, I'm, I, you know, I've talked about this before on television. You know, most of us, older generation, and maybe even someone as young as yourself, you maybe don't remember high school in civics class and government because you're just trying to get through it. <laughs> and get out of there and get out of school and you know then Definitely suddenly you could relate with that <laughs> and then suddenly you're you're thinking later oh man i wish i were paid more attention in that class well mm-hmm. imagine being you know my age and it's been a lot really good yeah. good time since it's been you know fresh in my mind so i, I mean it, it pushed me to go find out more and go do some research but i, I think you gotta you gotta lay it back on the altar and so and i do that every day and, uh, you know, if I think about what I'm doing and how many people are watching and, hey, this is, you know, somebody really high up in politics, it kind of freaks you out and kind of gets inside your head. And that's when you <laughs> screw up. Um, so letting God do it, let put it back on the altar and letting God work it out is probably the yeah. biggest thing. But it's also the hardest lesson. 
because we all wake up with a desire to do something for God <clears throat> and we want to do it right away and we don't see how God's training us. I mean, I went to school for television, read, and I started, you know, my first job was sweeping the floor. I'm like, oh yeah, well, this is a great career move. <laughs> um, and, you know, doing doing stuff like that and working in lighting, which I really, I liked, but I didn't like. And I'm like, oh, this is, there's no glitz and glamour in this, but I wanted to learn TV. Mm-hmm. You got, and everybody says you got to be willing to pay your dues. And you do. I think I think there's actually a lot of young people that are really zealous or <clears throat> might have recently come into come into uh, church or ministry or, or a new believer, and we're seeing a lot of these movements that have popped up, especially with the lockdowns and sure. people having to even fight to go to church at this point. There's a lot of young people that maybe have found themselves in a part of a movement, or maybe they've really identified with certain ministries or. Uh, really zealous teaching and they're they're inspired of they feel like their perspective on christianity is you know completely unique and you know they're gonna go in ten thousand souls by next week on the street and i agree with you i think sometimes there's so much zeal and excitement not that we don't i mean we never want to lose that and mm-hmm. um it, you know it's, it's really important to have that i don't think there's enough people that have kept the zeal stirred up sure um but I think that there's a lot of young people that feel stirred up. They want to do something. Maybe they just got some prophetic word or a calling to, you know, a, a nation or a role they're supposed to be involved in. And for them, they might be thinking, I, I can't go sweep. I can't go sweep floors because I, I got to go out and save five people today on the street. Yeah. And I think that's something my generation is lacking is, yes, your calling might, might be over there. But first, you got to be a good spouse. You got to take out the trash. You got to be willing to go to a, a crappy job to even pay your bills. Sure. For example, we were just talking before the show about um, David. It was 17 years from when he was anointed king to when he actually stepped in to the role. Um, is there anything on that you'd want to touch? Oh on? yeah, I got like you know several sermons on that. <laughs> the uh, <clears throat> the thing about David is we all love to tell the story of David and Goliath. Because let's be real, most of us feel like we're David in that story. There's some sort of Goliath, whether it be your parents or the, somebody that told you you couldn't do it. And, you know, so you always yeah. can identify with the underdog, mm-hmm. which David clearly was the underdog. And so here he comes in this kid and he has the, you know, he beats the giant. And you think, man, and that's where Sunday school, when I grew up, that's where we finished the story. We didn't finish the story. We just said, oh, yeah, great, David and Goliath. You know, and but the story is life gets really crappy after that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, and, and the thing to remember here is with David is that he had, he had <clears throat> great favor with the people. And the scripture talks about there they sang songs that Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens thousands. Well, that immediately put jealousy in there. And it's, which is a very real thing. There's jealousy in the church. And if you have a lot of favor in something, odds are there's going to be some good jealous Christians <laughs> that you know that are, that are not going to be on your side. Mm. And um, so he had to, he worked with it. And Saul, tried, I mean, how many times over the next several chapters did Saul tried to kill David? He ran, he hid, he had to, 
you know, he chased him throughout the countryside. I mean, he did all these things. Yet David finally, he never let go. He never let go of his dream or his passion or his vision. Mm-hmm. But he had to, um, and he was, here's the thing. He was as much the king of Israel the day he was anointed by Samuel as he was all those years later. He's still every bit the king, but it's that in-between time. You know, there's a saying that used to, <clears throat> God never opens, never closes one door without opening another door, which sounds really good and religious. You know, the version I like is God never opens one, never closes a door without opening another door, but it's hell in the hallway. But, <laughs> yes. but cause, you know, you're kind of going, but wait, what'd I do? What'd I do? I thought this was how it was going to work. Yeah, or, hey, I just came out of Bible college and, man, I, I know all this stuff about the scripture. I know exactly how to go out there and start my ministry. I'm qualified. Yeah, I actually know something. Mm-hmm. And in reality, you're closer to a Pharisee than you are a, a disciple. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's good. Um, you should do a podcast. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we could change people's perspectives? Um, so, man, that was, it makes me think of Joseph, how he had that dream. And mistake number one was yapping about it <laughs> to all of his family close to him. Yeah. I think we all know. I think we all might know people mm-hmm. at some point in our life that have made that mistake of, right. you know, Talking too much. a similar. Yeah. So, I guess I would kind of turn my next question into, um, what do you think modern day Christianity, modern day ministries? What do you think they're doing right? And what do you think they're doing wrong? And the context I would put that in is if we're headed toward revival, if we're headed toward a big move, and there's people that are listening going, man, I love watching Flashpoint, or I really just, I know I'm called to be a pastor one day. You know, this might be a really good opportunity to speak to that person that might not have an influence in their life in this kind of area. But again, what what do you think the modern day ministries or Christianity in general, what are they doing well? What are they not doing well in the context of if we're really headed for a big revival next? Well, it's a, there's a lot in that question. Um, let's take what we're doing right here. We're sitting in your place doing a podcast with cameras and audio. <clears throat> when I was in my 20s, we would have had to bring in a truck, you know, <laughs> and had these giant machines and, you know, hmm. we would be sweating under incredibly hot lights in order to make pictures you know <laughs> and that was cutting edge technology yeah so cutting the film yeah you know the, the uh what the church is doing right is they're taking advantage of technology just like you're doing you're mm-hmm. you're doing something that you're doing what you can do where you're at right now um now little side trip on that we can i'm sure there's a lot you want to change with this setup right here you'd like to do some this this and this and we get the paralysis of analysis so if where we won't do anything because we're waiting to get everything just right and get that, perfect. That's good. That's good. And when we get perfect, then we'll start. Well, no. You know, you've got to get rolling. It, God can turn you. God can move something that's moving. But he can't He can't shape something that's not moving. Mm-hmm. So get don't try and outthink it and try and get it to everything just perfect because that probably won't be the, the podcast or the program that's really... Mm-hmm. going to be successful anyway. People will tell you um, what works. You know, in answer back to your question, what we're doing right, yes, we're using technology. 
what we're doing wrong, if I can speak to that, is that we're expecting revival to come in the way it's always come. And so in recent years, because, you know, I study revivals and fans of all that and all what God's done, and which is wonderful. But I think what we're all looking for, when I say all, I mean, people that are believers, we're all waiting for a, a repeat of June 15th, 1995, when... Uh, this great outpouring happened in Pensacola at Brownsville Assembly of God with Steve Hill and John Kilpatrick. Well, that may happen, but odds are that's not, God never does it the same way twice. Hmm. Now think about this. That was the last great outpouring that in America that we can really point to in a big way. There's been other, th- other things since then. But if there had been internet in a big way and it would have been televised, how would that have changed that revival? Hmm. I bet you a lot of people would not have gone, made the trek to the meeting because they could have watched it on TV hmm. or watched it on the internet. They would have been, oh wow, that's cool. There still would have been a big. It still would have been a success. My point in all that is, for the time that you're in, don't hmm. expect it to always happen a certain way because however you think it's going to happen is not how it's going to work. The yeah, God, thing, God doesn't like to be put in boxes. No, no. And, I, I figured, found out. Yeah, he doesn't like to be put in a box. And at the same time, you're not going to have all the answers. And we have this tendency to believe, especially out of Bible college, um, well, this is going to be great. I'm, I'm going to have an um, incredible encounter and meet my wife. She's going to fall at my feet <laughs> and want to serve with me. And she can play the piano and sing and we're going to be a perfect match because it's my faith project we're immediately going to ministry yeah and we're going to have an instagram and everything's going to look perfect yeah and that's just not the case um the truth is you got to start revival is always messy i say that a lot because we're there's always when i say it's messy i'm talking about the fact that you're going to see god move there are going to be people that are with you and people that aren't with you Let's go back in uh, Christian radio. When Christian radio came out, oh, people thought it was horrible. When I say people, I'm talking about the church. How dare you use the airwaves for that that horrible <laughs> medium? You're using the devil's music stations for the gospel. That's not going to work. Well, then those people, those very people that did that, turn around and bashed Christian television because they're like, you're using the 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 devil's box to to you know the, <laughs> the devil can't box. God's not going to bless that devil box on your in your living room. Well, yeah. every I heard this from uh, I remember Leonard Ravenhill said this. I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill that said, every move of God is always dismissed by the previous move of God mm. because we think it's got to happen the way it happened last time. Uh, And that's just not the way it works. It's just not the way it works. So we've got to be open. And this is really where faith comes in, Reed. We've got to believe God enough, understand that in our carnality, we don't have all the answers. And that was was a hard lesson for me to learn. I don't know everything. I know I don't know everything. But at the same time, I want to believe I know enough to get going. And this is the way God's going to do it. And this is great. Well, it doesn't happen that way. You each have to be ready to see how God's going to move. So the church mm. is doing good things with technology, and they're open. The bad thing is we're, we're still expecting it to be a certain way. Another bad thing, <clears throat> since I'm on what we're not doing right, you know, uh, not so much. At, it, COVID has had a, had a great effect on churches 
that it's eliminating a lot of the fluff preachers, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that are probably still not open up in their their churches because they're they're teaching a social gospel and it's a motivational seminar, and we we nothing wrong with motivational seminars, but at the same mm-hmm. time, that's not what church is. That's not who Jesus is. So we have an opportunity. We have tried our generations before yours have let you down because what we've done is we've we've tried to lay out a gospel that is palpable to the to the people because we've tried to make it hey it's easy to come to church well your intention is right because you want people to come and get saved but the reality is wrong god's not jesus went to the cross he didn't he didn't everybody wasn't his friend they didn't go hey let's go hang out with jesus no he was dividing people and the the people that divided the most was the church the sanhedrin the church they hated him because he was he was he was full, how dare you fulfill the prophecy and say you're the Messiah, the Son of God? <clears throat> yeah, another, another another little uh, thing I want to add in there is like, I think sometimes people forget that the Pharisees had to memorize the first four books mm-hmm. uh, of the Torah by memory. They had to know it. So when Jesus said, you know, you you know the scriptures, and you're, yet you're a whitewashed tomb and as dead as bones inside. That to me is a constant reminder of like, I might think I really might know what the right thing is. But at the end of the day, like it's my the condition of my heart is way more important than what I think I know. Right. Um, yeah. Well, we're we're human yeah. beings, and we want to go. We can't help but go by feelings a lot. So I can mm. tell you just from preaching and speaking in churches and, and meetings and events, it seems to never fail. The ones I feel like I totally bombed, <laughs> and it was horrible. Or the ones that people, you know, there was a bigger result from. because I, And it's not that I was really better than I thought. It's just that God made up the difference. Mm. And when you realize, hey, you're at fault. You're not going to do everything perfect. Um, and you're not going to be God's answer to television or podcasting or anything else. <laughs> you, you're just available. You know, I think that's yeah. what uh, Catherine Kuhlman said. He's not looking for... Uh, you know the great voices. You're looking for available voices, and that's and that's what you're doing. And I applaud you for it. We got to be available, but that comes from putting your reputation on the line, and being willing to be made fun of, being willing to make a mistake, mm-hmm. um, and be talked bad about. You know, I read an article today in the Baltimore Sun that posted this thing that I didn't say on television. It made me sound like a total wacko. You know, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. But you know, hey, it's, it's for the gospel. And that's yeah. why and that's why we're here. I don't really need their approval, and that is a that is the trap. We all want approval. We all want to know we did a good job, right? We I think I think that's a a mis um, a misconception that a lot of people have about ministry. Or hey, I've been a believer for ten years, twenty years, or maybe a few months or so. Um, thinking that everything is just going to be sunshine and rainbows and uh, I'm going to feel like Jesus walking around with people all day. And uh, you had mentioned earlier that, um, you know, revival doesn't look like, uh, look like what we expect it to. And it's typically different every time. True. And that typically what's dismissed is sometimes how God moves. I would point to even Kanye West and Justin Bieber currently. No one really expected them to kind of rise up out of nowhere and suddenly get the word of Jesus out. Not that Bieber or Kanye are the shining example of what a, <laughs> a you know, a believer looks like, but it made me think 
you know, only only God could take someone like Kanye and spread the gospel better than the church. Yeah. <laughs> For a short period of time there while he was kind of highlighted. Yeah. So COVID, yeah, absolutely. So I, what I would turn that question into is what do you think we're dismissing now or maybe we're not um giving credit to now that could be God moving. Well, I, it's a couple things. Number one, I think we're, we dismiss the simplicity of the gospel. We think we've got to make it into something we want to. Uh, the, the human nature wants to wow you with your words, wow you with my words. Look how great I am. Let me let me have some great revelation. Wow, you know, flash, wow. flashpoint oh, that host. Guy, that guy is amazing. Yeah. Well, that's a failure. Because mm-hmm. if, I don't, if you don't point people to God, um, you've missed it. Mm-hmm. And you've missed it in a huge way. I think we, we've missed that way and we miss the simplicity. Reed, I think uh, the the older I get and the more I know, the less I'm convinced I know anything. <laughs> you know, because I, 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 you have all of these preconceived, and I don't know where preconceived ideas come from. Some come from through experience and what you've heard in through your life. Um, but the reality is we've got to, we got to let the gospel do the work. The gospel is the message, uh, is simplicity. And Jesus came, Luke nineteen ten. the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Hmm. That's really it. And I don't know why we make such a big kind of deal about trying to gloss it up or make it kind of trick you into getting saved or something. You know, it's like, no, man, it's, it's through the foolishness of preaching, men's hearts are saved. And no one comes through the Father except the Spirit draws them. The Holy Spirit's going to do His part. You just got to be a willing vessel. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's really answering your question in detail, but and that's the first thing that comes to me is we've got to do the simplicity of the gospel and be able to take advantage of what we're, where we're at. Now, COVID has had a very good impact in some way it is weeded out some like we've talked about mm-hmm. but the other side of that is people have i think uh pastors have had to the opportunity to go wait a minute what's really important you know that beautiful easter production really isn't important as much as maybe going and ministering to my parishioner who's got a sick daughter or grandmother you know mm-hmm. who's in the hospital with covid or, or or whatever that is real ministry not doing the production and uh, I think that's, that's woken up a lot of people. Now, the other thing about, you know, in politics, if I can go here for just a moment. Yeah, of course. You know, you've got the left and the right. Now, my whole adult life, that I, as I can remember, it was always about the Democrat was trying to be a little more. Everybody was trying to be in the center and be kind of fuzzy so they could get your vote. Because you're not going to swing the ultra liberal. You're not going to swing the ultra conservative. They're not concerned about that. Mm-hmm. They're concerned about that 11% that's in the middle. That's all I want is I need to kind of convince a few of you to come over to our side. <laughs> and so that used to be everybody that was trying to be a moderate because we're going to reach across the aisle and help each other make new laws and you know help everybody. Well, this election cycle, it has been nothing like that, which makes me think, wow, these are the end times because the left have gone hard left the conservatives are going, yeah. no, we're huge, hard right. Huge so separation. there's this mm-hmm. massive gap in the middle. There's nobody in the center. Well, take that over to the church. Now what you've got, I really believe this to be true. Pastors, you are either going to do what the Bible says or you're not. 
there's no riding the fence because the devil owns the, the fence. The devil owns the fence, yeah. You know, and we've got to we got to be able to go. Wait a minute. People are looking at you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, pastor, about this? And tell me what to do. And hey, when it comes down to it, abortion is killing babies. So what are you going to preach? You can't. There's no middle road yeah. on a lot of this stuff anymore. So that's been a good byproduct of the times we're in. But that called that means you got to take a stand. You got to be willing to stand up, take the hits, take a stand, and maybe watch people leave your church because they have a different opinion. Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's good. What do you think Jesus would say if you were sitting at this table? What do you think Jesus would say about the state of ministry? You know, Jesus loved people. And, you know, I was watching the other night, um, I was w- watching the Bible series. They replayed it on the History Channel, all those mm-hmm. episodes that Roma Downing and her husband Barnett did. And, uh, and and I was struck by something, but when Jesus, uh, in the Last Supper, he's telling them, this is our last meal together. And there was some creative license they took with that moment. Mm-hmm. And they said, um, you know, he's saying, this is the last meal, and one of you here will betray me. And, you know, everybody, Peter's going, no, I'll never betray you. And he goes, well, you will before the... <laughs> rooster crows, you know, and dawn, you know. And so there's, and everything Jesus said happened. They all left him. And so it struck me extremely poignant as here's Jesus being, you know, whisked off. After he heals a guy's ear, (laughs) they still take him off, you know, to crucify him eventually. And every one of his uh, church members, if you want to look at it that way, his disciples, um, I mean, they, they left him. So I put myself in, how would I feel? I'd be like, you guys, you bunch of idiots, you know. Yeah. You guys didn't last very long, <laughs> you know, and they're all running, and Peter's going, no, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't, you know. And so, but yet, after he dies and he rises again, what does he do? He goes and he goes right back to those very disciples mm. and says, here I am. Even doubting Thomas, you know, he spends time with his disciples. He gave, he was so gracious. I think we, we have a tendency to want to put Jesus in this, well, you did wrong, you're out of here. Um, the truth is we all screw up. But even the disciples who walk with Jesus denied him, yet he still came back. So I don't think God would be, Jesus in, himself would be mad at anybody. Um, he would just want to, he'd probably take you, take the, the worst of us in his hands and say, come on, let me show you how to do this. Because hmm. he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. In spite of us, he loves us. And I think that's where we have to understand. That doesn't mean that we don't have, we need to live holy or not live holy. Of course we do. But Jesus is forgiving. He's looking for more ways to work with you than against you. Hmm. And that's, oh, that's, and that's where we... I think that's where the church has failed in another place is we, we try to put people in a box or we try to, it's a rules of do, it's a list of do's and don'ts. And it's, hey, man, Jesus wants you. He just wants to live with you. He just wants to hang out, you know. And, and when he does that, you know, you, you, should, you talk about it. You know, I, the, Peter cuts off the guy's ear as they're taking him away. And he, even in the middle of that, 
our response would be, yeah, see there, well, you got what you deserved, you know. <laughs> but he, see, no, he reaches up there and he heals the guy's ear. Like, well, who does that? Well, Jesus does. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's where we have to realize we, we judge others how we think they should be, and we judge ourselves on our intentions. And I think that's, we have to be a little, relax a little bit, and remember we're all fallible. We all make mistakes. Yeah, I think kind of what you touched on earlier about being a willing vessel. Like, <clears throat> one thing I heard years and years ago that really sat with me was, uh, if, you, if you feel unqualified or you feel not good enough, congratulations you've just joined the hall of the heroes of faith yeah yeah. (laughs) and how god really just needs more willing people than people that are qualified or hey if you've got some some prophetic word over your life or a gift or you know god showed up in your bedroom you know something like that at the end of the day um it's it's more about the relationship than works and fruit would be a byproduct of that closer relationship with him. I think sometimes when we focus too much on evangelism, we're just thinking, Oh, I haven't, I haven't, when's the last time I got someone saved? I haven't seen fruit in a week or I haven't gotten someone saved in three months. I'm a bad believer. And I would just encourage people listening to that. Like it really, at the end of the day, I think we got to take the focus off of, off of ourselves, off of our calling not that not that we shouldn't pray into it and seek more on it, but I, I consistently think about like when was the last time we went to Jesus in prayer and actually said, what's on your heart? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of, I think we've kind of all been trained to go, my prayer list is my worry list. Yeah. Or whatever's going wrong in my life is, you know, what I'm praying about. And God wants to hear all those things. Like he is a good father at the end of the day. But even in my own life, when I went to a conference and went out and prayed for people, I was the most quiet, introverted person in my family. And I come back from this conference, you know, with all these stories of, man, all I did was go with a group of people and just, you know, go out and pray for people, love on them. We weren't trying to get people saved. But what I learned from that was we ran into all of these people. Maybe one person turned us down. That was like, no, get away. But I was shocked how basically everybody was like, oh, please, I really need prayer. And I started seeing that a lot of these people we would run into in public were actually Christians or had gone to church. And they started asking questions like, man, what church are you with? Or what denomination are you with? And I just, I get it, but I don't get it. And I'm just like, hey, we're, we're just, we love Jesus. We're Christians. And what I learned from that was even if I didn't do a good job praying for the person, if I got a prophetic picture wrong, they always felt touched or I was still able to accomplish what the Holy Spirit was trying to do in that in that situation right. just by being willing. I mean, Sean Bowles has a story he shares a lot of a, a big actor in Hollywood he ran into in a Starbucks and Sean had a, a wrong prophetic word for him. And he's like, hey, do you know, you know, a John or something? He's like, no. He's like, oh, sorry. You know, Sean starts to walk away going, oh, God, I got it wrong. And the celebrity that he said everyone would know uh, turned around and said, turned around and said, uh, why would you ask me that? And Sean said, well, I, I'm, I'm practicing hearing the voice of God. 
And the celebrity said, oh, I've always wanted to meet somebody that that said that they could hear God's voice. And this actor ended up getting saved in a Starbucks over a wrong word of knowledge. Wow. So cool. I would encourage people like, don't be afraid to step out no matter what job you're at or where, no, no matter where you're at in ministry or maybe you're in high school or you're studying in Bible college. It really doesn't matter. Like the disciples were unqualified for a reason. Like feeling unqualified means you're you're probably in, in good ground to be used if your heart's in the right place. True. And it back to that story, like it just it grieved my heart because I saw all these people that had their life or their their day totally made by us just a simple prayer. It wasn't even something special. People crying, breaking down, what church do you go to? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like there are so many people that just needs someone to step out. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't even that they had to get saved in that moment or they had to you know, do whatever we were trying to get them to do. I really felt like you know, when they say the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, that, that, <clears throat> that really became manifest to me on that day because I knew how unqualified I was and I, I thought like I was trying, you know, taking prophetic risks with people. And we had training at this conference for that too. And it was just like any little thing that I did to step out. Some were wrong, some were right, some were shockingly, shockingly right. It was like you could feel the wind of the Holy Spirit going, oh, thank God. I've got someone to work with. Like it it made me cry at the hotel that night where I'm just like, yeah. it was it's almost cold. a weird form of anxiety Yeah, going, Oh wow. This whole time I'm, I've been used to not wanting to talk in public or I'm going to the store, keep my head down. You know, it's, it's sad in our, in our culture today, how people don't, people don't really talk to each other anymore in public and even just making eye contact or, Hey, how are you doing? Or, you know, buying someone's coffee can really make someone's day. But, I would encourage everyone out there, if you haven't felt challenged in your faith, ask God to challenge you. Ask him to bring something up um, that, that you can do. Because again, it's, it's, not, it's not what you do at the end of the day. It's not how much works you can do. But God will lead you down a farther path with him when you're walking together with him in this way. So I would just encourage everyone out there, if, if you've been feeling like you're supposed to talk to that coworker or that family member, or you haven't connected with the friend and God keeps bringing him back up in your mind, reach out because I, I've experienced that firsthand. It, it was very, very saddening to see how it just, you know, it was like the grieving. I, f- I felt like the Holy Spirit was just like, thank God, thank God you're willing to do it. And it was very humbling for me. Very, very humbling for me. So it's not about what you know at the end of the day, but people will remember how you made them feel. Last question would be, is there anything that's on your heart that you feel like God's been speaking to you about that you feel like you would want to share or any final words to to all of our listeners out there? Yeah, and and we've been kind of hitting on it, the, the the whole program here. I think there's an urgency like never before and, and I know I, I grew up my whole life hearing these are the last days well they are and now these are really getting to the last of the last days I mean 
I don't, I don't, I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I'm telling you, there's an urgency, Reed, in what you're talking about, and what we we have to not, we have to get out of stupid church politics, things that don't really matter. Um, there's a hurting, dying world out there, and we've got to just be able to listen. And you're right, uh, cell phones have made it. A technology has been great. But we've never been more disconnected, and um, it's it's hard. You know, it used to be. You know, I'm always leaving my phone somewhere or leaving my trying to remember where I left my wallet. But it's kind of, now you can't you can't imagine walking out without your phone. <laughs> you know, you got to have your phone with you. You know, when I grew up, it's like uh, phone. Yeah, when I get home. Now I look back and go, man, those were really the days. Man, just can you imagine just going somewhere and doing that thing and then going home, get the phone call. So I, I think we, we just have to stop long enough to let, let God lead. And you can't do that if you're always so busy. It's the same problem um, church leaders have had through the generations. You know, I'll leave you with this story. Seth Joshua in the Welsh revival was a, uh, was a church leader in Wales. And he prayed for God to send a man that was not in the church to help lead the people in a move of God. Well, that, that guy was Evan Roberts. Here's a kid that was working in the mines. He wasn't really that. But yet this kid who's in his early 20s, his own father thinks he's gone mental because he's walking around town talking to himself. Well, he was praying, but nobody knew that what that was. But he was... Yeah walking around praying all the time. And so his, dad, his own father thought, the, my son's mental. Like I, he tried to get him committed. <laughs> Yet here, well, he, here he prays a prayer and the great Re- Welsh revival happens. Um, so it came through someone that was unexpected. It, was it because Evan Roberts was so great? No. Evan Roberts was available. He was there. The church leader, and the reason Seth Joshua said that was that he knew if a church leader ushered in a great move of God, it would be about the church leader. And God didn't use that way. So he uses that. So we really have, none of us have an excuse. (laughs) You know, we have no excuse. We just got to be an open vessel. And don't get hung up in the little stuff. There's always stuff to get under your skin. People aggravate you. Um, You're going to fail, like you said. Um... You know, people are going to turn you down. You feel like you're, you know, God's not going to use you again. All those bad human thoughts. But the Mm -hmm. truth is, like you said, God's just looking for a willing vessel. And that's what it's all about. Mm. Yeah. Man. Good, good wisdom. Good wisdom. Thank you so much for for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. How can people uh, stay in contact with you if they want to see about revival radio or flashpoint or want to check out anything that you might be doing uh well they can go of course we're on facebook and instagram under revival radio tv and this my name gene bailey but um the uh, the website is govictory.com slash revival radio tv or govictory.com slash flashpoint you can see the programs um and see what happens and share the word get the word out we got it we're in this together All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we will see y'all later this week.